Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. I had this phrase that's really kind of been on my heart, uh, and I, it was just this quick little phrase that I felt like the Lord just kind of, you know, like just dropped into me, and it said, this is who you are. And, and I felt like the Lord said that we are, are trying in life to constantly figure out who we are. Uh, so often at school, you go to school. I remember when I was in, when I, when I took some college classes once upon a time, uh, I remember the professor was so adamant about who you are. In the ethics class, he was saying, this is who you are, right? And, and then I'd go to science class and they would say, no, this is who you are. You're just this random makeup of chemicals, you know, or whatever. And then they'd go somewhere else and they'd say, this is who you are. And then it seems like every person on campus wanted me to somehow join the political party and they're like no you're you're this you're and I'm like I don't know what that means like I, I have no idea what's going on and it seemed like all across and all throughout society even you know uh, Hollywood and celebrities are saying this is who you are like our parents are saying like you're a Jensen this is who you are right like America says you're American this is who you are like everyone's trying to tell you your culture your skin color is saying this is who you are you're defined by that you guys do you see how all over there's people there's places all all these things, our culture is saying, this is who you are. And we, I, I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like a box. And it feels like it's like, this is this is the box you came in. And so this is what you get to do. It's like a toy. You read the box on the back. You're like, oh, cool. You can do action figure stuff, right? And, and you just kind of realize, this is who he is. Cool. Great. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be put inside of a box. Like, there, there's something more that I don't want just the American dream where it's like, grow up and have 2.5 kids and uh, get a house and get a retirement plan and white picket fence, you know, like there's got to be more. There's something else about who we are. You see, guys, we live in a culture too that says you are defined, who you are is defined by what you do. Come on. First thing we do. Hi, I'm Taylor. What do you do? First thing we just naturally ingrain us, we try to know about somebody is what do you do? And based on what they do, we start to figure out who they are. Right? This is, this is what we do. Am I the only one who asks people what they do? No. Like, and I remember for the longest time, I was like just working odd jobs. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, mow lines and serve at restaurants and do some computer work and try to go to college. And they're like, okay. And you can see in their eyes, they're like, oh, so great. Uh, I'm better than you. That's great. Now I know it. You know, you're like, dang it. Like, like you're defining me by what I do. Like, stop it. I swear. I'm also nice and funny. You know what I mean? You know? And they're like, no, that's cool. But how old are you? And you still, you don't, you're not in a career yet? Like, okay. Like, sorry, you dropped out of college? Like, oh, all right. Well, um, I can go over here with the, with the lawyers. And I would sit down with the elderly man and the joke and just go to sleep with him and hang out. So, but basically... Do you see what I'm saying now? We live in such a society that really defines us by, by what we do. Uh, basically, <laughs> there's so much, guys, uh, whether it's your culture, whether it's your party, whether it's that, all, all this stuff, or you're also defined by, who you, by what you do, or a lot of times people, and we define ourselves based on what we don't do. 
or what we can't do. You're like, well, I don't believe this, so I guess that means I'm over here, right? You're, you're like, oh, well, I, I, I'm not this political party, so I guess that means I'm this political party. Or you say, oh, well, I don't believe in that, so I guess I'm not good enough for this. Or do you, do you see what I'm saying? It can go the reverse. The pendulum can go just as far the other way where we're defining ourselves based on what we don't do. I don't have a career. I guess I'm a failure. Like, we do this stuff. Oh, I'm still not out of college. Like, oh, man, or oh, I'm going into college, or oh, maybe I took a year off. Oh, man, now I'm no longer a loser, right? Whatever. I used to struggle with all these things, and it's like you can't win. It's like based on what I do, I'm defined, or based on what I don't do, I'm defined, because we're living in comparison, trying to find our identities based on things we do or don't do. Does that make sense? Or the problem is that sometimes it can get even worse. We can go the other way and we can actually start putting it on other people. We can actually start saying, oh, you don't do this like I do. That means you and I can't be in the same clique. You and I can't be in the same group. Oh, you, you, oh no, like I'm libertarian or Republican or Democratic or you don't, you're not in the same thing I do. That means like we're not cool now, right? Like, and we do this, guys. Like, or, or, or the reverse. Oh, you believe that? I believe this. We're not cool now. Like we, we just, we do these things that are so ridiculous when you look at them to define who we are or who someone else is. This is how you get racism. This is how you get sexism. This is how you get uh, just like really, really unfair, messed up, bad things. And you're like, this is how you get uh, uh, if people fall into depression over this stuff because they say, why can't I be like him? Why can't I look like them? Why can't I be like this? I'm only this, right? Do you see? You guys see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Cool. I don't have to keep hitting this thing to the ground. Okay, great. Uh, so, but the thing is, guys, if you're a Christian, this is not who you are. You are not defined by all these other things. I want to show you guys something real quick. You might have seen this before. I'm going to need two volunteers. Not John, I you. Two in the back. Wait. You put both your hands. Okay. Uh, just two people. Mentally come up here. Doesn't matter. I just need two people. So, can you... Go ahead, take this piece right here. Gotcha. Can you, Michaela? Can you take that piece? Can you just unravel it? You can walk around, do whatever you want with it. Walk around, leave some space in the straight here. So guys, I believe that we need to take a step back. A lot of times we can get so defined in, I'm a college student and I go to work, or I have three jobs, or I don't have a job, or I'm all these things. We have to take, yeah, try not to, try not to kill people with it. You know? No, okay. So, you're good. Can you uh, lift, 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 it, lift it up there? So maybe, Don, you can be the corner piece. You can just hold that with your finger, and then she can go around. There you go. Great. So, guys, we need to take a step back to find out who we are. We need to not just look at the things we do in our lives. I believe we need to get a fresh perspective as to who and what God says we are. And to do that, sometimes... Y'all, guys, you're like, you're like my youth group, guys. You can't, can't even. <laughs> it's a string. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. All right. All right. It's a, yes. Let it go around. It's cool. You're doing great, Michaela. Keep going. You're great. Great. So you can stop in the back there or whatever. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So, yeah, yeah. You're good. Stop there. Keep this, keep this tight, though, if you can. Okay. So. Yes. Okay, so I believe we need to take a step back. I believe that a lot of times we, you get so stuck 
in this little vision as to, but this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. I'm like this. I do this on Mondays, this on Tuesdays, this on Wednesdays, this on Thursdays. Oh my gosh, a year just went by. Like, what happened? You know? And, and we need to step back, zoom out, and I believe get a clearer picture as to who God says we are. And that's what this series is about. Every week we're going to go after a different thing about this is what and who God says we are. And I'm praying that we can take a perspective shift back, zoom the camera lens out a lot, and start to see from heaven what does he see. And so guys, this here, this is a, here we go. This here, pretend, pretend that this is time. Time itself, okay? This right here, the timeline, it goes wrapped around, pretend it goes forever that way, forever that way. This is like the time space time continuum. Okay, right here. Okay, so basically, here you go. This is when you're born. Hey, I'm alive. This is where you die. Oh. Actually, this, 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 in reality, it's really like this. But so for the sake that you can see it, I will put it out here, okay? But this goes forever that way, forever that way. Isn't it amazing? Well, oh, no. Space time continuum is falling apart. Okay, so isn't it amazing that what you choose to do right here affects all of this? Like, isn't it crazy that the thing I choose to do in this little spot will forever shift this line for all of eternity? Okay, so... So, yeah, I'm done. Okay, so, here. All right. So right here, guys, they are, I believe we need to take a perspective shift back. Because the question is, how do you know what to define yourself as? Okay, so. A lot of people, they say, well, I define myself as this. And for their entire lives, they live a certain way to find themselves a certain way, right? And I believe if it's something in your life <clears throat> excuse me, that will not pass this point and go on into eternity, it's not really something of who you are, wow. right? <clears throat> because if you, if you right now, we talk about this all the time. We say my body as though it's a third thing, right? We realize I'm not just a body. I'm something else. I'm not just a mind, I'm something else. I'm not just, right? We know that there's more. And so if you are saying, I am my riches, I am my money, I am my political party, all of that, congratulations, ends right here. So you take this right here, you say, this is my, this is what I believe, this is my political party. And you're like, yay! Uh, oh, bummer, did not pass through, okay? And then you go here and you say, okay, um, let's say the, the color of my skin. That's my whole, my, from the day I was born to the day I die. I, that's something I have. And you're like, yay, I'm white. Boom. Okay. And you're like, oh, okay. I, I, you know, red and yellow, black and white. So we have all the different ones, right? Doesn't matter what you're in. It still ends right at the same spot, right? So it doesn't matter what it is. It still ends at one point. So the question are, is if you die and it stops being a part of you, is it really who you are? The answer is no, it's not. There's something else, it has to pass on into eternity, right? Because that's that's who you are. Is this making sense? Yes. Is this too sci-fi for you? I've been watching a lot of sci-fi, okay, cool. So, this here, I just be green, because I like green, okay? So, and it's life, the trees and stuff, okay? So if it's something that's God, and if it's something that's really who you are, it's something that will go 
and it'll go through this filter of death and it'll stay with you for all of eternity. That was, yeah, that was death. Okay? And it goes on with you for all eternity. You can ride this thing forever unless it falls off. Okay, so, but you guys get my point, right? This is something for all of eternity. Now you can, you can carry this out. So during this series, guys, I want to explore with you what are these things. What are these things that actually matter? Because if I look at the broad spectrum of my life, these things, we spend 90% of our time caring about this when it's going to end here. What about the other stuff that's going to be with us forever? And so that's what this series is about. This is who you are. Because in a billion years from now, this is what's going to matter. This is going to be a distant, fond memory like kindergarten was. I remember nap time, right? And this is going to be really far away. This is going to be who we continue to be and who we are. Okay? So... I want to take it a step further. Is that cool? Yes. Okay. Now, the problem with this is I have to wait until I die <laughs> to find out what passes through. So I want to read a couple things for you. This is a big thing. Don't wait until you die to pass through this filter and figure out what actually matters. Okay. Wow. Don't wait until eternity to look Jesus in the eyes and be like, like, the real thing that mattered, I totally forgot, right? So, the beautiful part, you can figure this out now. John 5, 24, it says this. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in, or it says him, so I guess talking about, but, okay. So whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossover from death unto life. That means this point here is not actually where you die. But the minute you give your life to the Lord, it acts as death. You pass from death into life. Now you can finally start building after you know Jesus. You can build those things that are meant to go on for eternity. So death it does not have to be the filter unless you're not a Christian and you die. What, what is the filter actually is the cross. Yes. And if it is something that goes, that cannot pass from death to life, it's something that when it hits the cross and your old man dies, your new man comes to life, all those old things die and the new things come to life and can live on for eternity. We don't have to wait to find out when we die. We actually just have to submit everything to the cross and whatever passes through that filter is something that I will carry through eternity. Does that make sense? Okay, so... You guys are great. Thank you so much. Um, Let's see. We don't have to wait for death. We have the cross. Praise God. Colossians 3, 9 through 11. uh, This is the message version. It says, don't lie to one another. It says, you're done with that old life. This is where you die, not down here. The minute you got saved, boom, old self is dead, right? Okay, now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. That's cool. It says every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. No more. I'm white. Label. I'm American. Label. I'm Taylor. Label. Like it's, there's new labels now given to me. Okay. Words like Jewish, that's your ethnicity or non-Jewish, religious or irreligious, insider or outsider, uncivilized or uncaught, slave or free. They mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ Everyone is included in Christ. 
Man, the space-time team is all freaking out right now. <laughs> no, this is done. You guys can put it down. Give them all a hand. They're great. They're awesome. Okay, so we are starting this new series about who am I really? Because the thing is, if all these things, if 90% of my uh, who I am, it dies at the cross, and I want to figure out what filters through, we need to figure out who am I well, who does God say I am, and how do I begin living in that? So I'm going to give you guys a brief summary real quick. This is who the Bible says I am. Because remember, this is who you are. It says, I am alive in Christ. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am born of God, and the evil one does not touch me. I am holy and without blame before him. I am God's child, for I am born again in, of an incorruptible seed. Whoa. Jesus is in you. He can't be corrupted. Come on, praise God. I am a God's masterpiece. I am a new creation. I am joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above, I'm above I am not beneath. I am the light of the world. I am his elected, full of mercy and kindness and humility and long-suffering. I am forgiven. Good people don't get to heaven. Forgiven people get to heaven. Okay? So, I am delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. I am redeemed. I am called of God. I am healed. This is who you are, just to name a few of them. Okay? So, you guys, we have to begin to focus on who I am. All these characteristic traits are going to pass through the filter and go on for eternity. Okay? All the other things of like, I have this much money. This is my job. This is, it's going to be like a screen door you don't know is there and you just... Right? You don't go through it. You're like, what? That's going to be all the worldly things that try to get to heaven... I'm not going to make it, right? But the true things of who you are are going to pass through the filter and go on for eternity, okay? So it's about time, I believe, that God's people start figuring out who they are. You see, we are way too knowledgeable about who the devil is, and we are way too ignorant as to who we are. We as a body of Christ, we know so much about the devil. We're like, oh, the devil a liar, right? We know that one, praise God. Luckily, he is a liar. But we're walking around scared. We're walking around on the defense. We're like, the best offense is a good defense. It's like, no, not at all. Like, you lose every time, right? The best defense is a good offense. Press forward in who you are, and that is how the kingdom of God gets advanced. It will not be from us just sitting in a room going, like, I hope they... I hope they think I'm cool. I hope they, oh man, I, I, hope, I hope the entire world comes into this church building. Like, oh dang, we need a bigger building. No, you need to get out there and take who you are into the campuses, into your jobs, into your family, because you know who you are. So can we tonight pursue just one of the many things as like, we are? So, thank you. <laughs> so, guys, we, tonight, I believe that there's a bunch, I just read off tons of who we are. We could spend an entire year, right? And, and I, I would love it at the end of the year. You're just like, this is who I am, and you just know who you are. Oh, that would be amazing, right? We could do this forever. We could, I think in even in eternity, we're going to say, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I was like that, because Jesus, you're like that, and I'm like, you, and oh, my gosh, my boy again, right? Like, it's been a billion years, you're still blowing my mind, this is crazy, right? So, but I believe that there is one that I want to start off with. 
There's one that I believe if you really know, if you really understand, it will affect all of the other ones down the line. All of them are important, but there's one that I believe, to me at least, I say this one is like number one that I want to go after. And then the other ones as well, but this is the one I, for some reason, always seem to come back to. Right here, Ephesians 5, 1. It says, imitate God. That's what all we're trying to do, right? Well, I just want to be like Jesus. Right? No one comes here tonight and is like, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be like Jesus. Like, I don't want to do that. Right? No, everyone's coming here saying, I want to be more like Jesus. Right? So imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his beloved children. The thing is, you cannot imitate something you do not know. Everyone in here can imitate Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because they've seen a movie with him. Everyone in here, I don't care if you think it's good or bad, everyone in here can go, yeah, 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 and like try to have their version of what Arnold Schwarzenegger sounds like, right? But you can only imitate something you have seen. If I said, hey, I want you all to imitate my brother Josh, you'd be like, uh, but Dominic here knows my brother, so he can totally do something that imitates my brother, because he knows him, right? So the thing is, you cannot imitate God unless you spend time getting to know God. For so long, we have tried to imitate God when we barely even spend time to get to know him. We're trying to serve, and we're trying to act, and we're trying to make all of our fruit look like God, be like Jesus, do all these things, and that's good. Like, that's really good stuff. But at the end of the day, if it's not getting to know Jesus... It's not going to pass through that filter we talked about. And it says, get to know him as beloved children. Get to know him the way kids know their dad. If we don't know God as a child, then that you saying that we don't really know God. We have to know him as a child. You know little kids imitate their dads? You know? Or daughters and their moms. They can go both ways. If I say sons tonight, it also works for daughters. Okay, Just saying every time. Sons and daughters. It, it, so, so if I say one, just no means the other. But kids imitate their parents. Totally. All the time. I remember, like, even in the little things. I remember someone standing there. They're like, me and my dad were sitting there. And we were both chewing gum looking at the menu. And we are both sitting there like this, chewing gum. And the lady looks at us and she's like, are you guys father and son? And I was like, we're both like, huh? <laughs> yeah. How do you know? She's like, you, you, you like your mannerisms are totally the same. See, you're meant to spend so much time as a child of God, your mannerisms just start to look like this. It's not that you're sitting there saying, how do I try to imitate God? It's just like, I'm just, I've just gotten used to being like my dad. I'm just used to, I'm just, I'm just used to being like him. Like so often we walk around and we're trying to like give birth to the fruit of the spirit in our life. We're trying to like, ah, patience, right? And a tree doesn't do that with an apple. A tree's just healthy and then the apple comes out. If we just spend time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the fruit will come based on knowing him. And so the first thing I want to go after just for the next, just a little bit, is just being a child. Because I believe that if we're a child, and if we really make this the most important part of our life, I believe everything else disappears. Racism's gone. Because kids are like, I've never seen a baby that's racist. Like, I've never seen a baby fresh out of the womb be like, right? No, they like, like, my uncle, guys, just to be real, my favorite uncle, I had a black uncle growing up. I didn't know racism existed. 
right? Because he picked me up, he loved me, I loved him, he laughed, he came to my ordination, he's my uncle. I didn't even, when they tried to explain to me that he's not blood related to me, I was like, but he's my uncle. That doesn't make any sense at all, he's my uncle. And they're like, no, no, he married into the family. And I'm like, really? Like, that's crazy, because a child doesn't see skin. A child's like, I just love him, he's my uncle, right? And, and the same way, guys, like, all these things would be gone, these worries about finances. I've never seen a baby and a child be like, dad, are you getting paid on the first and the 15th? Like, dad, are we gonna have enough food in the fridge? Like, I've never seen a baby be worried about its physical looks. No baby sits there and goes, I have way too many fat rolls on my arm. Like, no no baby does that. Every, every, we go up and we're like, oh, that's so cute, look at, he's got five fat rolls on his arm, you know? And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that as an adult. Like, no one thinks it's cute anymore. Like, I'm like, oh, dang right? And so, but as a baby, people are like, Oh, he's adorable. God looks at, like, guys, we point at these little things in our life are like, ew, gross. And God's like, oh, it's so adorable. I love that part about you. That quirky part about you that you think is ugly, I love that. It's adorable to me. We have to be children first, guys. As long as kids are with their parents, they're okay. You see, so often we... Um, we're all worried and we're all freaked out. God, what about the nation? God, what about the politics? God, what about, you know, this virus? Or what about this thing? Or what about the situation? Or what about this war? Or what about this? And I have never seen a baby worry about Because the child's just like, well, my dad's here, okay? I don't really, what's America? I don't know, but if America ceases to exist, I'm, my dad's still here. Right? And in the same way, I'm like, okay, God, you're my dad. You were here long before America. We're going to be okay. Because you, you're the dad. So, as a child, I don't have to worry about what I look like, what I need to uh, my job, my money, my dad. Uh, uh, like, who, who's really the one who pays me, my boss or my God? Right? Who's really the one who's making sure I make rent every month? Is it my boss or is it my father? Right? So, so the point one is this is who you really are, a child. It's the, if I could do one message all year, it would be, you're a child. I'm a child. This is good news. This isn't talking down to you. This is like, good, great. Jesus said, become like a child. So my point two is Jesus is a son. Jesus's ministry is eternally marked by sonship. He never graduates to a different level. Sonship is the highest level. Yes. <laughs> like he never is like, I, I'm no longer a son, right? He's like, no, Jesus forever is the son. Okay. A lot of times we think the sonship role is like the beneath then role. When in actuality, that Jesus says this is the highest role, so yeah. right? So being a son is actually something that for the rest of my days, I will always be a son. But I'm 90 years old, still a son. When I'm a billion years old in heaven, I'm still a son. Jesus is forever marked as a son. And, and why do I think this is important? Because the Jewish people, the religious leaders, all these people, they thought, they were expecting a king, a conqueror, someone who's gonna ride in on the noble steed and wipe out everyone and take over everything. That's the second coming that happens. But they missed the son because they were looking for something else so often in our life we're trying to be something else and if we just tried to be a son or a daughter we'd actually step into what god actually has for us the conqueror the king 
all that, yes, it comes. Your calling will come after this, the time of sonship and being a daughter. Even when Jesus is conquering in Revelations, he's still a son. Yeah. Your call will come, but sonship is now. So right? One is a future thing that will happen, and then when you die, it's, it's like, kind of like your calling was almost behind you. You're calling on earth. But you're still a son. It's, it passes wow. through the filter. Your calling even ends at death. But sonship and daughter, daughtership, goes all the way through. This means, so which one's actually more important? Learning to be like a son and daughter or my calling. I'm actually first called to be a son or a daughter because one of them passes through the filter and the other one doesn't. This makes sense. Sometimes people are like trying to figure out why can't I get the breakthrough in this job or this career or this relationship, things like that. And God's like, just be a son. That's more important. And then everything else will come after that. So, how do I also still know this is important? Because one, that's what Jesus came. Mark 1, verse 1. The first gospel written was Mark. Right, David? Yeah. First one was written was Mark. Okay. So, the first, hold on, the first New Testament, the very first thing in the New Testament, okay? First thing ever written. There was no New Testament. The Old Testament was the New Testament. They were like, they're waiting for the newest thing to come out, right? Mark comes out. They're reading it. Oh, my gosh. This is the new, this is the Bible. Like, like they, it was just a letter. The first thing ever written. The first chapter. The first verse. The first thing ever says. It says this. It's, it literally says, this is the beginning of the gospel. You're like, oh, it's starting. And it says, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The son of God. If you ended the gospel there, the only thing you would know is Jesus is the son. The first thing they wanted you to know is this person is the son. The beginning of the gospel starts with a son. Jesus Christ, the son. Not Jesus Christ, the king. Not Jesus Christ, the, the one who's going to take over. Not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the son. Mark 1.11. It's, it's the first time Jesus is ever seen doing anything. Okay? And he doesn't do a miracle. He doesn't preach a sermon. He doesn't get up and heal people. Nothing like that. He does all those later. The first thing we see Jesus do, it says that he goes, he gets baptized. And this is what happens. Mark 1.11. It says, and a voice came out of heaven. And it said, you are my beloved son. And in you I'm well pleased. The first thing Jesus ever did was the affirmation from his dad. He's a good son. Can I ask you, what had he done? What miracle did he do? How many souls did he win at this point? It's not recording. How many? We don't know. Jesus was 30 years old at this point. And it says the only thing he did well was being a son. I'm like, well, please, your son. Yeah, there's hope. 25. I got five more years, okay? Right? How many years was Jesus in ministry? Three years. How many years until he started his ministry? 30. For every one year of ministry, he had 10 years of being a son. 10 years just be a son for one year of ministry. I'm like, how oh, 10 years of ministry? Is have 100 years of ministry? I don't know. Right? But do you see the point? God thought this was really important. 
He said you could be anything. You could show up at anything. God could have said anything. He could have like blow. He could have just been like, "Hey, everyone on earth, this is God in the flesh. Listen to him. The whole world's about to change. Everything you know is gonna change." But it's almost like no one else was even there. And he's like, "I'm so pleased with this." God could have said anything. The audible voice of God breaks through. Everyone around hears, and it's just a conversation between the dad and his boy. He could have said anything. And God, why was God proud? Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He just says, I'm well pleased. Not that you're the Savior. I'm Because well, if he said, I am so well pleased that you are the Savior, people would be like, okay, in order to get God to be happy with me, I have to save or be a Savior or something. Wow. But since he said, I am well pleased because you're a son, that means all I have to do is be a son. And he'll be pleased with me. I don't know what I said. I'm sorry, I can't say. Right, so, Jesus was a son. You're in the family, and that is enough. You see, religion says if you do enough, you can come into the family. Wow. The gospel says you're in the family, so what you do is now enough. You guys see how it, it's completely changed. The world asks for credentials. <laughs> okay, so the world Okay, okay. The world asks for credentials. Okay? The world asks for credentials. What do you do? Do you have your degree? Do you have your diploma? Do you have your thing, right? The world says, What's your credential? And sonship asks for a father. So if you're walking with God, it says, Hey, who's your father? Whereas in America, and all of a sudden, hey, what's your degree? In the Bible, it was John Bar Zebedee or John Bar. It was the son of so-and-so. So it's like, hey, whose son are you? Is how they define people first. And then they said, oh, oh, what do you do? After, it's like, hey, who's your family? Like, what if I walked up and I said, hey, Patrick, who's your dad? Who are you? What's your relationship? What's the sonship like? You know, all these things, right? Like, what if I did that and I wanted to know, how are you as a son before I said, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. We've been talking about family so long. What do you do? Right? Sonship, being a child, is the first priority on God's heart. John 5.18, it says, the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill Jesus. For he had not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father. Therefore, making himself equal with God. This is where we see Jesus was, he says, I'm equal with God. They wanted to kill Jesus because he had the audacity to say God was his father. This is why they said, let's kill him. They said, you broke the Sabbath, we're angry at you. And then they said, and God's my father. And they said, okay, now we want to kill you. <laughs> this was the thing. You see... You see, this is the devil and religion and the world and laws. They only want you. They say, okay, you can break the rules. I just don't want you to figure out that you're a son or a daughter. Because if you figure that out, you're stepping in your calling. You're actually going to change the world now. I want to kill you because you know you're a son or a daughter. The number one message I think that, that stirs up and breaks off religion or breaks off laws and breaks off these things is when you hear a message about you're a son. This is what I believe changes the world and passes through. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, but when the right time came, hold on. But when the right time came, God sent his son. Hold on. Sons are patient with the timing of their father. Okay, so but when the right time came, God sent his son. Fathers 
don't just step in. They empower and raise up their sons to do it. The father could have been like, move over and step down to earth. But instead he said, Jesus, go. I empower you to do what I want to do. Because now you look like me. Now your character is like me. You're like a son. Go. Powers raise, like father, good fathers, they raise up sons and daughters. So God, okay, I'll keep getting off the verse. You guys sidetracked me. Okay. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman and subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are God's child, God has made you. You see, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So that, he didn't, did, did you hear the verse? He didn't say, I sent him to get you free from the law, and then it ended there. That would have been enough. I would worship God for all eternity if the only reason he came was to free us from sin. But he says the reason he did it was to free us of sin so that he could then adopt us as children. He came to take care of the sin so that he could step back in as a father. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to to the Father except through me. Right? The goal is not getting to heaven. It's getting to the Father. It's a son. It's a son-father relationship. Okay, here we go. 1 John 3, 1. It says, see how much our Father loves us. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. One of the clearest signs that we are still living in the world is when we do not recognize we're children of God. That verse, it says, they did not recognize them because they don't know God. They can't imitate God. They don't know him, so they can't be kids. So if you're walking as a child, this means that every area of your life that you are insecure Every area of life that I am insecure or I'm afraid or I'm believing a lie, it's the same area of life that I'm not recognizing God as my father. Every area of my life I'm walking in insecurity is an area that I don't really believe I'm a child in. Because children are not insecure because their father's there. So if I'm like, I'm stepping out and I want to I wanna like speak or something like that or whatever it is, and I'm all insecure and I'm like, oh man, I, don't, I haven't really submitted that and said, I, don't, I, I really don't believe daddy God's standing here with me. But if I say, okay, I'll do it, I'm saying I, I recognize he's with, do you guys see how that works? You guys see that? So the same area that we don't have the freedom and the life in is the same area that we're not believing we're a child in. So, point number three, I am a son or daughter, not an orphan. You can only be one or the other. <laughs> Guys, we can only be one or the other. I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to wrap up pretty soon. Is this okay? Are you okay? You good? Okay? Okay, cool. Oh, my God. 21 pages. Is that cool? Okay, no. All right. <laughs> can I get five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five more minutes. Okay, five, ten. As a corny joke, I see all the time. Okay, I've always wanted to do that. All right, so here we go. All right, I am a son or a daughter, not an orphan. You can only be two things. You can be a son or a daughter, or you can be an orphan. You cannot simultaneously, water can't be both hot and cold at the same time. You're like, I'm hot or I'm cold. You have to be an orphan, or you have to be a son or daughter. 
You cannot live in both both realms. The minute an orphan is adopted, they they, they, they lose the ability to say I'm an orphan, right? Because they've now been adopted, right? And so... Orphan, so we have to look at our lives and say, where am I acting like an orphan and where am I acting like a son or daughter? Do you see this? So can I go through some clear signs of an orphan mindset versus a son mindset? How many of you know you can, you can get an orphan, you can adopt him, you can do all the paperwork, all the legality, but, and he's your son, but that doesn't mean you have to be with him. The way that you actually transform him into a son is bring him into the house. Feed him, teach him, grow him, love him. Tell him, dude, you don't need my permission. Open the fridge, right? Like these, these, these things, right? Uh, God, he legally bought us at the cross. Legally on paper, we were his sons and daughters now. But he, he doesn't say, okay, now you stay over in the other country and now you're my son and I'll sponsor you from afar. He says, no, 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 you move into my house. You, you learn my mannerisms. You, you learn to be loved. You learn how to be a son, a daughter. My fridge is now your fridge. My inheritance is now your inheritance. When I die, it's now yours. Like this is, this is real sonship, okay? So it's possible to say, yay, like I am. Oh wait, that's, a, I was thinking there's a song, but I'm a child of God. Like it's possible to sing these songs and believe in the legality of it, but not let our hearts move into home with dad and actually get transformed. There's so many Christians, we know we're a son or a daughter on paper. But then when, when something actually comes up and the insecurities flare up, right? We actually, we're not actually living in the house. We're like running back out on the street. It's like, it's like a, a, a child who has a mansion to live in with their family, but they keep choosing to eat garbage out of a garbage can. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, you have a home now, you know? And so, but we do this all the time. Yes. We're saved, we're going to heaven. And we, we, a lot of times we think that was the end goal. I'm going to heaven, I made it, I'm done. And God's like, no, the goal is to know me as your father and be transformed into a son or a daughter. So the orphan mindset. The orphan mindset, it says these couple things. I'm going to compare and contrast, okay? Orphan mind, uh, you see an orphan doesn't have a family. So a lot of times an orphan mindset is like, I'm isolated, I'm alone. I'm always working to survive. Like, I have to do this on my own. Uh, I can only trust myself because I don't know who's in the street. I don't know who's around the corner, right? So I can only trust myself. I never really have peace because something could go wrong all the time. I'm easily offended because I have all these insecurities and, and all these things that, that others, like I'm afraid or I'm hurt or all these different things, right? Uh, we orphans see life through a lens of rejection. Uh, because uh, they feel they have been rejected. They've been thrown out on the street. Always working to try to get love. Always trying to work for, for salvation. Never really knowing they're actually secure. A son and a daughter, they know they're in a family. Which means they're never alone. They depend on one another and let others depend upon them. They can trust others. They're easily, they easily forgive because they realize it's worth the relationship. They're, they're rarely or never fully offended because they're actually secure in who they are. Okay. They see life through the lens of acceptance and love. And they always know they are secure in love. I want to give you guys this real quick. This is uh, from an awesome book uh, called From Slavery to Sunship. And go ahead and and I just want to go through this little chart. I want to give you guys, this is from, uh, I would recommend reading the book. It's super awesome. Uh, but here it's this whole chart of like the heart of an orphan versus the heart of the son. And see, a lot of times we, we say on paper, like, oh, I'm a son, I know that, right? 
And then this kind of works almost like a um, like a symptoms chart. Like you go to the doctor, and they say like, where does it hurt? And they're like, right here, my elbow. And they don't say, well, that's because your knee's messed up. Like they say, well, there's something going wrong there. And so the same way we can look at this and we can say, ooh, I struggle with that one. And it points you to the area that it's broken or messed up. Does that make sense? So then we can look at this chart and we can say like, oh, if I struggle with A, the chances are this is the sickness. And I need to become a, a, a child in that area. So let's go through this together real quick. The first one, and this is what we're going to end on, guys. Um, <clears throat> the heart of the orphan versus the heart of a son. The orphan says their image of God is that they see God as a master. Whereas the son, their image of God is they see God as a loving father. Picture God in your mind. Picture his face. Does he look angry or does he smile? That tells you if you see him as a good father or if he's mad. Your image of God. Okay, number two. Uh, independent and self-reliant versus the son is interdependent and they acknowledge the needs. Theology of an orphan is I live by the law of the love. The law. The love of law. Ugh, I can't say. They live by the love of the law. If I do everything perfect, I'll be loved. Whereas the heart of a son lives by the law of love. It's reversed. If I love, I'm Security. The heart of the orphan is insecure and they lack peace. The heart of a son and daughter rests in their peace. Need for approval. The orphan strives for the praise of other of others, uh, approval and acceptance of man. Whereas the son is totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. Their motive for service. Just because you serve really well doesn't mean that we're good sons, you know. The it says a need for personal achievement as you seek to impress God and others, or no motivation to serve at all. Whereas a son is service that is motivated by deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved and accepted by God. Motive behind Christian disciplines is duty and earning God's favor or no motivation at all. Whereas the heart of a son and daughter is just pleased and delighted. Motive for purity, is, this is huge guys. Orphans say I must be holy to have God's favor. Thus they feel shame and guilt like when they mess up. Whereas the son and daughter, they want to be holy. They don't want anything to hinder their relationship with God. They, they just want to be like their dad. That's why I want to be holy. Self-image, self-rejection from comparing yourself to others, or positive and affirmed because you know you have such value to God. Source of comfort, seek comfort and counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsion, escapism, busyness, hyper-religious activity, versus seek time of quietness and solitude to rest in the Father's presence and love. That one's huge. A lot of times just because we do a lot of religious things doesn't mean we're actually religious. Right? And actually, sometimes it's a red flag. You need to go do that. All right, guys. So a lot of these, um, I, I just for time's sake, I'm not going to go through all of them, but you have this chart. I would put it up. I would read through it, and I would pray through it, and I would say, God, which area of my life do I better need to step into what it means being a son or a daughter? If that is the first thing you ever said about Jesus, I want it in my life. It is, if that is the first thing to pass through the filter of the cross, the filter of death itself, that means it's actually stronger. Being a son and daughter is actually stronger than death itself, right? And, and so if this is so important to God, that out of the Trinity, you have a father, then you have a son, then the Holy Spirit, right? Like, it's a big deal, this father-son, father-daughter relationship. 
Okay? So, uh, just to conclude, guys, I want you to know this is who you are. You're a child. Number two, Jesus is a son. That sounds so basic, but we explained earlier why that's like really important. Okay, number three, I am a son or a daughter, and I'm not an orphan. So this is what I want you guys, um, go ahead and stand up here. We're finishing up. It's nine o'clock. This is a challenge I want to give you guys, is what's your mind and your heart this week to like watch after it, okay? And every time an insecurity flares up, ask yourselves, do I think like a son or a daughter in this area? If not, how would a son or a daughter think in this area? So I want you to go through, kind of watch your week, and, and when an insecurity flares up, that's when you go, oh, red flag, I am not being a son right now. Okay, what am I believing? Oh, I'm really frustrated because I don't have enough money. That means I believe I'm an orphan and I have to pay for things on my own. I'm not believing God provides an orphan to son. And repent and say, God, you provide. Or I'm walking, someone offends me. And I'm like, oh, you're so mean. Like, what the heck? I hate you, right? And, and, and that's when you stop. Oh, wait, offense. I go back and I'm like, why, do, why did I just give them power to change how I feel? Because I care about what they think more than what God thinks about me. Orphan son. Does that make sense? Okay. So, now go ahead and do this, guys. Let's just, I, I want to do a moment where we uh, just, as a family here, we just say, God, I want to be a son. David, I don't know, do you have any worship music you could just put on real quick in the background? And if we could do this, go ahead, let's just put out, put out our hands just like your little kid at Christmas time receiving a gift from dad. Father, I ask that you would come right now in a new way. God, I ask that you would come and you would speak to us, that you would show us your face. You'd show us a smiling, happy father. You'd show us that we're a son, that we're a daughter. God, I ask that you would show us right now what it means to be a child of God. We sing it all the time, I'm not a slave of fear, I'm a child of God, but I ask right now, Father, we become real in our hearts. Can all of you right now just, just pray and just say, Father, Dad, Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.